0: Let's bring in Ed Clissold, Chief U.S. Strategist at Ned Davis Research. and I was happy to see that one of the top charts in a recent thread you did on Twitter was looking at our 10-year yield versus the rest of the world. And amazingly, we're actually a little bit behind.
1: Yeah, so uh, if you look at uh, European yields, uh, Canadian yields, uh, on the 10-year yields for, for in, in particular, they've already hit uh, new highs. Yesterday were new, were new highs for most of those. Uh, while on the US, um, we, we haven't quite gotten there. We're starting to retest it, but we're still 10 or so basis points below where we were um, a few weeks ago. And so that's an interesting spot to be because if you look at previous Fed tightening cycles, most of the work on the long end of the curve that is 10 years and up is done very early in the tightening cycle so maybe this isn't the peak in the 10-year yield but we're probably getting close oh, really? whereas maybe some other central banks have further to go uh,
0: so how does the uh, history doesn't offer us any clues though coming off that zero bound does it uh, n- not a
1: ton, so we do have to take that into account when we're talking about any of these things. That a lot of us is is kind of a, a new a new regime, but the. What, what tends to happen is the market shifts from inflation fears to growth fears and we're starting to see that happen and that's going to be the big drivers when the concern is more about uh, whether or not the economy is going into recession than if inflation is going to be a, a runaway issue so that's where i think what's going on right now is there's a lot of back and forth whereas a couple of months ago is all about inflation now you're seeing the recession fears uh, come in even if those recession fears aren't realized for another 12 months or so the market's going to be struggling over what that's going to look like and that's going to impact the pace of interest rate increases or decreases
0: you've got interesting data on that the difference between the bear market start and then the recession start Uh, it's a table with a lot of negatives in front of it you're using the dow jones as your index here to give yourself a time horizon back to the 40s uh because there's some important events around there we got to include To walk us through this, Ed, what does this mean? It seems like, just going from your notes, that generally uh, the recession comes after the bear market by an amount that we've already surpassed, because our bear market is six, now seven months running.
1: Yeah, so on average, uh, the, the bear market starts about five months before the recession, which makes sense. Anybody who's in the markets knows they're, they're forward looking, so they're, they're going to start pricing in uh, the recession before it actually happens. But if you talk to most economists, when they are looking at things like the labor market and consumer spending trends. They're not looking for a recession right now. I and mean, of course, they could be wrong, but, but most economists are looking for a recession potentially in 2023. So that would mean that, the, that we really ha- would have a huge lead time, much longer than average, if the peak was in early January in stocks. Now, there are a couple of exceptions. If you look at that table, in particular, 2000 is an interesting one, where uh, we we're about 14, 15 months ahead of time. But mm. if you look at that right-hand column, there was a really big rally in the fall of 2000. Uh, and the S&P total return index, if you included dividends, actually made a new high. On, wow. price, on a if price basis, dividends. it didn't. Yeah, yeah. So, so even if ultimately this ends in a recession next year, and we look back and we say, okay, january 2022 was the peak that doesn't mean there wouldn't be a very good tradable rally along the way the markets just don't go straight down anticipating a recession 18 months away uh, mm. markets are more volatile than that
0: so that rally we got in march uh, is uh, uh not really commensurate with the one historically that happened and basically like the post dot com bounce back so the good news is here Uh, if I could try and summarize is that so it looks like maybe we could be having one of those long runways until recession which could include a big bounce so like the bad case scenario here is we get a recession coming a little bit later by historical standards compared to when the bear market starts which means we might get a big rally but the bad news is the only comparable is dot com which is not exactly comforting because that means we might have to hold on to our growth stocks for a decade before they get back to the highs
1: well, yeah. So, so as we start playing this historical analysis back, I, I think probably the Nifty Fifty area in the seventies is probably a a better analogy than the uh, than the dot com bubble because look, so many of those stocks were were just unprofitable not legitimate businesses right. whereas the mega cap techs of today are they are probably just over loved and or they were overloved, over owned and that's more akin to what happened in the early 70s when uh, everybody just decided well these are some great companies i'm going to own them no matter what and then sure. you know it took a few years for the rotation but, but i your think your broader point
0: your, your, your data is only is pointing towards 2000 right like the distance between bear market and recession only went this long and in 2000 did i hear that part right yeah
1: that was one of the very few examples so so yeah so so if you want to think about the 2000 analogy from that standpoint if we're looking at a recession next year and we've already had the bull market peaks those are two ifs yeah that's the most recent and and probably the best example um and and i think there there is something to the idea was in that the the biggest stocks in the market were making big peaks and that's why a cap-weighted index like the S&P or even the Dow, which is price rated, but it has a lot of those big stocks in it that, that dominate the, the index, um, You know, w- would probably make highs that far ahead of time. So it, it had more to do with stocks within the index than necessarily you know, the market and the economy pricing in that recession.
0: Interesting. Okay. All right. So maybe we could still have like a one last uh, big ramp uh, potentially. An interesting uh, a data set for us. Uh, difficult, obviously, with limited samples, but a super interesting one to think about here uh, for those that are, are thinking the recession's around the corner. That means market's just going to keep collapsing. Uh, real quick, uh, Ed, the last one, though, I want to look at is uh, your cycle comp, which is a composite uh, index uh, that uh, your team builds, right? Walk me through this because you're using it for – Kind of a gauge on where the s p might go i think it's pretty interesting uh this cycle composite index what is this
1: so it's a technical historical look we you're taking the one-year average cycle the four-year average cycle so midterm years and the 10-year average cycle so in this case years ending in two and you're averaging those together to see what 2022 could look like and it it's projected a weak first half and a strong second half certainly we've Onto to the weak first half so far, it does bottom around mid-year and, and suggest a pretty good second half rally. So a lot of things have to fall into place for a, a second half rally to, to come to fruition. But as we just talked about, with you know even if the recession fears ultimately are realized next year, that doesn't mean you couldn't get a decent second half move. So this is a just a pure technical view that tells you how the, the, the year could play out. And then you have to overlay the macro on top of it.
0: All right. Okay. I like it. So uh, trying to find uh, something here uh, that works from a history, uh, historical standpoint to give us some perspective. Appreciate that. Ed, great stuff. Good to have you back on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Nice to see you.
0: Always. And Klissel the Chief U.S. Strategist at Ned Davis Research.